Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Dear saints, today you witnessed the baptism of Evelyn Anastasia Sams, uh, which is, uh, by the way, a very, very good name. Evelyn means life. Anastasia is Greek for uh, for resurrection. So her name literally means resurrection and life. It's wonderful. Um, but Evelyn was baptized because she needed to be baptized. It doesn't look that way to our eyes, but she needed it. And David and Monica have known this. And this is why they planned for her baptism uh, pretty much the same day they found out they conceived her. <laughs> They knew that she needed the same Jesus that they need. That Evelyn needed to be saved and Evelyn needed to be forgiven and that she needed God to save her. And so Evelyn, without Jesus, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And you were filled with the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, and you were, Evelyn, by nature, a child of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved you, even while you were dead in your trespass, Evelyn, he made you alive right now together with Christ, and he saved you by grace alone. Dear Evelyn, today, the almighty God of heaven and earth became your father in Christ. And you, Evelyn, a sinful mortal, became a child of God, and you have inherited the kingdom of God. And that means that now, Evelyn, you are a child of God through faith in Christ. And that also means you can pray. And you can pray to God with the utmost certainty that the one who numbers the hairs on your head is the same one who will listen to and answer your every prayer. And this is not only true for her. This is true for all of you who have God as your father. This Sunday in Latin is called rogate. And that is the Latin word which means ask or to plead. And this is what Jesus teaches in the gospel lesson in John chapter 16 He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So I really want to focus on this one verse, just that verse for today. So I'm going to preach on this verse in two parts. Uh, So the first part of the sermon is going to be on what it means to ask the Father. And the second part is going going to be on what it means to pray in Jesus' name. So the first thing is that Jesus says, ask the Father. We oftentimes just glide right over those words because they're so common, but we shouldn't. To understand the depth of it, just consider how most people think. God is almighty. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He created the galaxies and holds them in place, and that's true. And then so people then conclude, well, why in the world would he be mindful of me? And why would he even listen to me? Psalm 8 says. And that's certainly what the disciples thought. They thought that God would only listen to the priests or the prophets or that he wouldn't listen to the common Christian or that there's a difference in their prayers versus the prayer of someone holier than they are. In fact, we still see this to this very day. 
the, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that we are to pray to the dead saints in heaven so that they may intercede for us. That if you need help selling your home, don't bother God with a worldly thing. Pray to St. Joseph. If you're going on a trip or a vacation, don't bother asking God to keep you safe. Ask St. Christopher to keep you safe, to help you. If you need help during your pregnancy, ask St. Gerard to cure your morning sickness or whatever it might be. And the sad thing is that many, millions upon millions of Christians believe this. They actually pray to the Virgin Mary to ask God for them. To intercede for them on their behalf. They think that, uh, look, if God won't listen to you, then certainly he's going to listen to his mother. And all of this views God as some sort of like a a CEO or a governor uh, who can't be bothered with our little requests and petitions. And so he has to field our requests to him. In other words, he's he's fairly removed from you is the point. Now, many Pentecostals believe the same thing. Uh, They believe that the prayers of their worship leaders are more effective than the prayer of the common Christian. And I've seen this idea trickle even into our church in different ways. Some of you have even said to each other, pray for me. I need all the prayers I can get. Now that is true. We need to pray for each other and be prayed for. And we should always ask for prayer from one another. But the issue is with the words, I need all the prayers I can get. What does that mean? Why? Why that? Is it going to be more effective or more heard or more listened to if there's more of you saying it? Do you think that God won't listen to you if you're the only one saying that prayer? Or do you think of God's will like democratically that each prayer is like a vote and the more people you have and you get the majority, then maybe God is going to be persuaded and change his mind? This isn't a good way of talking. Uh, we, We shouldn't talk this way. And yet it's so deeply embedded in our hearts and minds to think of God in that way. Well, today, the point I'm getting at is today that Jesus says something entirely different from what our hearts and our reason imagines. When you need something... Jesus says, you ask the Father. You do it yourself. He's not saying don't ever ask anyone else to pray for you or to pray uh, when, when you can't, when, you're too, when, when things are going on for you. What he says is he's not saying don't ask people to pray for you. He's saying that you don't need to and that it's not going to be any more efficacious or more heard or more answered if you pray alone or if an entire nation prays together. You don't need any priest either or pastor or saint living or dead to stand between you and God for prayer. And why? Because what Jesus did on the cross has changed your status before God. Without Jesus, we are just dust and ashes and we wouldn't even dare to speak or utter a word to God. But Jesus' death and resurrection changed that. And that means that your relationship to the Father now is of such a kind that you can go directly to him with all of your desires and needs. It means that God will listen to you, even if you are the only one praying. He will hear you if you're the only one saying that specific prayer. And he will not hear you any more or less 
He hears you, period. Now, even more, Jesus teaches us to pray to God as our Father, and that is profound. Dr. Luther's small catechism says this. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence, boldness and confidence, we may ask him as what? As dear children, ask their father. Ask their dear father. God tells you to call him father. Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Again, Galatians 4.6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. If God tells you to call him Father, then what does this imply about you? It implies that you are indeed his child. That you're his son and his heir. The one that he will give his entire inheritance to. Everything he has earned, he leaves to you and your name. Now, let me give you an example of how comforting this is and an analogy here. I know I just brought up my family in a sermon last Sunday. And I'm going to do it again this Sunday. And I promise I will stop uh, soon uh, once I run out of ideas. But uh, here's the anecdote. Many days after coming home from uh, work, uh, after talking to and visiting with members or running to hospitals, uh, I will be utterly exhausted and just emotionally drained, Uh, come home and just want to lay down on the couch or the floor or something. And then I have a thousand things going on in my mind. I'll be worried or anxious about things or afraid or upset or whatever it might be. And while I'm laying down on the floor, uh, Martin will come up to me and pull my arm and he'll say, uh, you come play with me now, daddy, (laughs) Uh, which is a a new kind of form of grammar. It sounds like a question, but he's really just saying you're going to do it. Right. Um, And then what do I do? (laughs) What do I do in that moment? Of course. Yes. Of course, I'm going to play with you. Of course. I'm exhausted, but yes. <laughs> um, the same thing in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. Uh, Anderson is crying or Martin is thirsty. And they go up to Erica, their mother, and say, I'm thirsty. I want milk or something. And she gets it for them, of course. <laughs> and I know all loving fathers and mothers do the same. And I know you do it even when you don't feel like it. When you hear the sweet voice of your dear child whom you love and adore, recall a promise that you made to them and they say it back to you, then there is nothing more dear than that. You love it and you would do anything for them. David and Monica, right now you get to see Evelyn's face and this is beautiful. Um, Soon you'll be able to hear her voice and her words and what she says, and the way she thinks, and the things she remembers, and the things she asks you, right? And you'll hear it uh, all throughout the day, and in the middle of the night, (laughs) while you're on the phone, all the time. Uh, And when those days come, your heart will melt at how sweet it is that she looks up to you for all good. And when she has any discomfort, or pain, or boredom, or trouble, or hunger, she looks to nobody else but to you, First, And when the day comes when you're at home, utterly exhausted after work and ready to pass out, and you hear her sweet voice ask, 
you something. You will feel your heart move in a way that it never has before because she is your child and that hits your ears differently and is beautiful. And then you'll find the strength to take care of her. Now, the reason I'm saying all of this is to make this point. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, If you, if you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? If your heart, if our hearts, which are plagued by sin and sorrow and the cares of this life, still move and and melt at the voice of our children, how much more does God's heart move when he hears your requests and prayers and petitions to him? If you and I, sinful mortals and fallen creatures, know how to take care of our children and give them good things, we know when to say yes and when to say no and when to say wait. When we know these things, how much more do you think that God who is without sin, who loves you, who is perfect and holy, knows how to take care of you? Even when God answers our prayers saying, no, I will not give this to you. What you are asking for, I will not give it to you. Sometimes he says that. Then even then, we have absolutely no reason to be discouraged and upset. Because even if he says no, it doesn't change the fact that he, he loves us or that he's our father or that we're his children. That doesn't change. And we trust that he knows what to give us better than we know how to ask for it. Okay, that is the first thing. That's what it means that's how significant it is when Jesus says, ask the Father. As, and then he tells us to pray, our Father, with the personal pronouns. He's yours. Now, the second thing is this, and the, the second thing I want to preach on, on, on what it means when Jesus says, in my name. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of misconceptions around this, uh, and people usually take this to mean, look, if I just add the magical words in Jesus' name to whatever I'm praying for, then I'll get it. Right? So that means... If you pray for a Ferrari or to win the lottery or uh, for a brand new home or something, you just say that and then you just add the formula in Jesus' name and poof, there you go. You get it. Uh, prosperity, gospels, uh, pr- prosperity gospel preachers preach this all of the time. In fact, that is the, the main thing they're preaching on. And it's ripped entirely out of context. They have no idea what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Uh, let me explain it this way. To pray in Jesus' name means to pray for the things in his name. Whatever is in his name that you ask for, the Father then will give you. What does that mean? So imagine this. Here's an analogy I've used uh, quite a bit before. But imagine you come to church on Sunday. And up front here we have a massive box. A, a huge, like a treasure chest or something. And on it are written the words uh, J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. Right? And you can open up this box and have everything that's inside of it. And there's no limit to the things you can take from there. And so you open that box up and then you look inside and then you see the very body and blood of Jesus. Or you see peace and you see comfort and you see a good and a clean conscience. You see the resurrection of of the dead. You see the strength to endure all of the troubles of this life. You see joy. You see the ability to overcome temptation. You see a church. You see the strength to forgive those who sin against you. You see the kingdom of heaven. 
You see eternal life. All of those things in that box. And you see these things and you can have them all. That is what it means when Jesus says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So you ask for those things that are in the name of Jesus. And those are yours. No questions. Let me be clear here. This doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for a home or a job or a spouse or things like this. We should. First uh, Peter 5 says, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It just means that he hasn't promised to give you those things. But what he has promised to give you, the things that are certain, you can be confident and rely upon, that he will give you and he will never, ever deny you, are the things that are in Jesus' name. And you will receive it. And today, Evelyn, your dear parents asked the Father to wash away all of your sins. And he did. And not just those from today, but for the rest of your life. And they asked that God make you his own child and that he would never leave you or forsake you. That he would be there on your final day even when they could not be. And he will be. He will grant that to you. And they asked him to resurrect you from the grave on the last day for eternal life. And he has granted that to you now. And so this means that God is your father, Evelyn, and he always will be. No matter how many sins you sin, no matter how many times you fail and fall into misery and anguish, your dear father in heaven hears you and loves you and there's not a moment in your life not a gasp or a sigh or a tear that passes by that he does not notice that he does not answer and deal with and take care of and promise to take away and wipe away in that final day and dear saints the same goes for all of you you have the comforting assurance that every single one of your prayers is always heard by god all of them And that means that not a tear or sigh or moment of grief and anguish, no matter how big or little it might be, goes unnoticed by the Father. So pray, always. And don't let prayer be the last thing you do. Let it be the first thing you do. And when you pray, be absolutely certain that your prayers in Jesus are always heard. And ask for the things in his name always. And follow him where he leads you. And go through this world praying and praying every day to the God who hears you. And at the last, just as he heard the prayers of our dear brothers, Everett Fisher and Chuck Bowling, who now live forever with the Lord, so too he will hear your last prayers. And he will lead you through death from this miserable world into his heavenly kingdom forever. And he will give you eternal life. Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give you. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.